Chapter 18 of Baseball Joe in the Central League by Lester Chadwick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Donald Cummings. Chapter 18 In Despair. Joe and Pop Dutton arrived at the hotel in Delamont ahead of the team, which was on the way from Newkirk after losing the last game of the four. But at that, Pittston was still in the lead and now all energies would be bent on increasing the percentage so that even the loss of a game now and then would not pull the club from its place now look here joe said pop when he and joe had eaten this may be all right for me but it isn't going to do you any good what do you mean i mean consorting with me in this way i can't stay at this hotel with you the other players would guy you too much i don't care about that well but i do now look here i appreciate a whole lot what you're doing for me but it would be better if i could go to some other hotel then if you can you get gregory to give me a chance i'll work at anything assistant trainer or anything to get in shape again but it would be better for me not to stay here where the team puts up if things go right and i can go back to pittston with the boys I'll go to some quiet boarding-house. Being at a hotel isn't any too good for me. It brings back old times. Joe saw the logic of Pop's talk and consented. He gave the broken-down player enough money to enable him to live quietly for several days. When the team came, Joe determined to put the question to the manager. As Joe had registered, he looked over the book to see if he knew any of the guests at the hotel. Though he did not admit so to himself, he had half a forlorn hope that he might find the name of Mabel and her brother there. He even looked sharply at the various pieces of luggage as they were carried in by the bellboys, but he did not see the curious valise that had played such an unpleasant part in his life. Joe was feeling very fit. A little rest, even though it was broken by anxiety concerning his father, had done him good and the arm that had been strained in the game that meant so much to Pittston was in fine shape again. Joe felt able to pitch his very best. "'And I guess we'll have to do our prettiest if we want to keep at the top of the heap,' he reasoned. Then the team arrived, and noisily and enthusiastically welcomed Joe to their midst again. Seeking the first opportunity, Joe had a talk with the manager concerning Pop Dutton. At first Gregory would not listen and tried to dissuade Joe from having anything to do with the old player. But the young pitcher had determined to go on with his rescue work, and pleaded with such good effect that finally the manager said, "'Well, I'll give him a chance, provided he shows that he can keep straight. I don't believe he can, but, for your sake, I'm willing to make the experiment. I've done it before, and have been taken in every time. I'm sure this will only be another.' but you might as well learn your lesson now as later. I don't believe I have much to learn, answered Joe with a smile. I think Pop can come back. The players who can do that are as scarce as hen's teeth, was the rejoinder of the manager. But I'll take this last chance. Of course, he can't begin to play right off the bat. He's got to get in training. By the way, I suppose he has his release? The manager looked questioningly at Joe. Oh, yes. He's free and clear to make any contract he likes. He told me that. I imagined so. No one wants him. I'm afraid I'm foolish for taking him on, but I'll do it to please you. I'll take his option and pay him a small sum. Then I'll do the rest, 
returned Joe eagerly. I'm going to have his arm looked at, and then couldn't you get him a place where he could do outdoor work? Say, help keep our grounds in shape? Well, I'll think about it, Joe. But about yourself? Are you ready to sail in again? I sure am. What are the prospects? Well, they might be better. Colin isn't doing any too well. I'm thinking of buying another pitcher to use when there's not much at stake. Gus Harrison is laid up, sprained his knee a little, making a mean slide. I've got to do some shifting, and I need every game I can get from now on. But I guess we'll come out somehow. But the team did not come out somehow. It came out no-how, for it lost its first game with Delamont the next day, and this, coupled with the winning of a double-header by Clevefield, put that team in the lead and sent Pittston to second place. Joe worked hard so hard that he began to go to pieces in the seventh inning, and had to be replaced by Tooley, who came into the breach wonderfully well, and, while he did not save the day, he prevented a disgraceful beating. Joe was in the dumps after this, despite the cheerful, optimistic attitude of the manager. Joe's one consolation, though, was that Pop Dutton was in the way of being provided for. The old pitcher was holding himself rigidly in line and taking care of himself. He had a talk with Gregory, a shamefaced sort of talk on Pop's part, and was promised a place at the Pittston ballpark. It was agreed that he would go into training and try to get back to his old form. Gregory did not believe this could be done, but if a miracle should happen, he realized that he would own a valuable player, one that would be an asset to his club. And then something happened. How it came about no one could say for certainty, but Joe went stale. He fell off woefully in his pitching, and the loss of several games was attributable directly to his slump. Joe could not account for it, nor could his friends, but the fact remained. Pittston dropped to third place, and the papers, which gave much space to the doings of the Central League, began to make sarcastic remarks. On the diamond, too, Joe had to suffer the jibes of the crowd, which is always ready to laud a successful player, and only too ready, also, to laugh at one who has a temporary setback. Joe was in despair, but in his letters home he kept cheerful. He did not want his folks to worry. Regularly he sent money to his mother, taking out of his salary check almost more than he could really afford. Also he felt the drain of looking after Pop, but now that the latter had regular work on the diamond, keeping it in order, the old pitcher was, in a measure, self-supporting. Pop was rapidly becoming more like his former self, but it would take some time yet. He indulged in light practice, Joe often having him catch for him when no one else was available. As yet Pop attempted no pitching, the doctor to whom Joe took him warning him against it. "'There will have to be a slight operation on certain muscles,' said the medical man, "'but I prefer to wait a bit before doing it. You will be in better shape then.' "'You're taking too much trouble about me, Joe.' remarked the veteran player one day. Not a bit too much, responded Joe heartily. From Joe's father came slightly encouraging news. The need of an operation was not yet settled, and Mr. Matson's general health had improved. And we can bless baseball a lot, wrote Mrs. Matson to her son. I'm sorry I ever said anything against it, Joe. If it were not for the money you make at the game, I don't know what we'd do now. Joe was glad his mother saw matters in a different light, but he was also a little disturbed. 
His pitching was not what it should be, and he felt, if his form fell off much more, that he would not last long, even in a small league. Occasionally he did well, even brilliantly, and the team had hopes. Then would come a slump, and they would lose a much-needed game that would have lifted them well toward front place. Joe's despair grew, and he wondered what he could do to get back to his good form. Clevefield, the ancient rivals of Pittston, were now firmly entrenched in first place, and there remained only about a quarter of the league season yet to play. "'We've got to hustle if we want that pennant,' said Gregory, and his tone was not encouraging. Joe thought of what he had promised about having the money for his father's operation, and wondered whether he could do as he said. But I must not give the impression that all was unhappiness and gloom in the Pittston team. True, the members felt badly about losing, but their nerve did not desert them, and they even joked grimly when the play went against them. Then came a little diversion. They played a contest against a well-known amateur nine for charity, and the game was made the occasion for considerable jollity. Gregory sent in most of his second-string players against the amateurs, but kept Joe as a twirler, for he wanted him to see what he could do against some fairly good hitters. And to Joe's delight, he seemed more like his old self. He had better control of the ball, his curves broke well, and he was a source of dismay to the strong amateurs. Of course, Pittston, even with her substitutes in the game, fairly walked away from the others, the right-handed batters occasionally doing left stick work on purpose to strike out. But the little change seemed to do them all good, and when the next regular contest came off, Pittston won handily, Joe almost equaling his best record. It was at a hotel in Buffington, whither they had gone to play a series of games with that team, that one afternoon, as Joe entered his room after the game, he surprised a colored bellboy hurriedly leaving it. "'Did you want me?' asked the young pitcher. "'No, sir, boss. Did and I didn't want y'all,' stammered the dusky youth. "'Then what were you doing in my room?' asked Joe suspiciously. "'I—I I was just seeing, boss, if y'all have plenty of ice water. That's what I was doing, boss. Deed I was.' Joe noticed that the boy backed out of the room and held one hand behind him. With a quick motion, the young pitcher whirled the intruder about and disclosed the fact that the color lad had taken one of Joe's neckties. But no sooner had our hero caught sight of it than he burst into a peal of laughter which seemed to startle the boy more than a storm of accusation. End of chapter 18